You're listening to TechNado. Welcome and thanks for joining us for another episode of TechNado. I'm one of your hosts, Sophie Goodwin. Keep in mind, you can use that code TechNado30 for a discount on your IT Pro membership. Thanks to our sponsor, ACI Learning. Once again, I'm Sophie, and I'm very excited to jump into today's news. I went ahead and, and read some of the articles, and, uh, you know. <laughs> that was a mistake. Some of them are. Well, I mean, I, like, really got in depth, and I was like, oh, what's this? And I scared myself a little, so <laughs> that should tell you what's coming. Uh, but I'm not alone here, luckily. Otherwise, I'd be terrified. Uh, Don Pazette, to my left. Don, how are you doing today? I am doing great. Excited about today's episode. You know, it's been a while since we've had a solid tinfoil hat segment. Yes. And we've got one coming up later on in the show, so you'll definitely want to stick around for that. Yes, that is the one that scared me, so <laughs> you will want to stick around for that. Daniel, how did you feel about that? Just give us a preview. Oh, I, I don't get scared, so. Okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm, you, ar I'm already like a uh, card-carrying tinfoil hat wearer, so. Okay, yeah. I was just like, yep, that's just the news. Hmm. Okay, yeah. well, he, he, yeah, all right, I couldn't. Can't really add to that. I, I've well, already, I've already, I've already gone through the gamut of emotions necessary to like be able to process new, scary stuff. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you're the. You would be more likely to be the scarer, not the scary. Yeah. You know. I, I don't think Daniel worries about secret surveillance because I mean he's got an OnlyFans page, right? So you know, it's, please subscribe. It's yeah. It's just the <laughs> only difference. Dance. That's what only dance. Only dance. Yeah. Well, it's it's, like it's only just dance. the difference of whether you pay him five bucks a month or not. Yeah. Like that's it. Yeah, this is some, I literally like the way your knees like bend normal. It'd be a shame. <laughs> so, oh, I'm gonna have to strong arm people. <laughs> I'm gonna have to explain that one to my mom later. Thank you for yeah, that. Yeah. Well, Go ahead and jump into our articles here before I get into trouble. This one comes to us from the register, and uh, it's all about Microsoft. Microsoft confirms Windows Server 2025 is on the way. Plus, this is a fun little caveat, it kills off WordPad once and for all. And I do believe I remember us talking about that a while yep. ago, about that going the way of the dodo. Heresy! So I, I, I guess this is the end of the line for WordPad, but I more importantly... WordPad. That's not really the focus. That's just what I chose to zero in on. Windows yeah. Server 2025. Yeah. Games, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I had a bit of a, a betting pool going on on what the name of the next version of, of server would be because Microsoft is all over the place with their naming convention. Uh, I would not have been surprised for it to be like Windows Server 2025 H2 Moment 4 Series 11. <laughs> uh, and, and that's just one name. Yeah, <laughs> that is. The, and if you don't say it in its entirety, then you've got the wrong distro. Yeah. Yeah. It's all wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Microsoft has switched to this this release cadence where they are constantly releasing new builds, and just every now and then they pick a build and they say, all right, that's the one. Ship it. And we'll make that one gold, and that's now the next version of server, and then it's out of date within a month because they've already done new updates beyond that. Uh, in my opinion, that's a good thing. Hmm. The, the named builds, though, aren't as significant as they used to be. It used to be you get really excited about a new version because it had all sorts of new features, and that's kind of changed in the, the new method. But it looks like they've kind of locked into a pattern of every three years they'll designate a new version because we had Windows Server 2019, then 2022, and now 2025. So uh, this will be the version that we run until 2028, more than likely, and uh, it, it's coming down the line. Not a whole lot uh, of, of new features to get super excited about. In fact, one of the, the biggest things that, that's come across my, my feed uh, has been the ability to change SMB's default port. Uh, you know, SMB has used UDP port 443 for a long time. It is a target of a number of different exploits that are out there. Uh, uh, what was the big one, Daniel? Blue something. Eternal Blue. Eternal Blue. That's yeah. it. Uh, and so, you know, there were a lot of people who wanted to change that port up, try and obscure, <laughs> obfuscate. I thought it was 445. Was that was over. Is 443, am I mixing it up with 
That's the that's the UDP port. Like so, the TCP okay. port for SMB is four four five, and right? that's what Eternal Blue used. Yes. Yeah. So they're rolling out the functionality where you can change the port, make it whatever you want, have fun, <laughs> yeah. get crazy. Uh, what I think is interesting, because I did a little research on it, is they're adding the functionality to the server, and I haven't seen where they've added the functionality to the client to get on the right port. So that'll probably come a little bit later. <laughs> That's probably be uh, helpful. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly will. What have you heard? Because I see that it's like you can change it to Quick, right? This is a new protocol, mm -hmm. uh, and basically Quick allows you to transfer data, uh, much like TCP, but it's faster, stronger, better, right? What have you heard yeah. about this port? This so, protocol. I haven't heard a ton because yeah. it's all still in, in development, but SMB is really, really old. Yes. And I mean, it's been updated. We're on SMB three now. Right. Um, and so they've added new things, but when SMB was originally created, it didn't have authentication. It didn't have encryption. What did man? It was the wild west back then, bro. <laughs> it really was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so they, they've added a ton to it, but it shows, yeah. you know, that the protocol is not great for high speed transfers and things. Uh, so it, it's good to see them making some improvements and quick is supposed to help with some of that. We'll see. Yeah. Once it gets out in the field, I still, I still find myself leveraging SFTP and, and other things like that. Mm -hmm. that are a little more tried and true. So I, I try not to get on the, the bandwagon of new super file early. transfer super early. Yeah. yeah. Bleeding edge. It's nice. It's cool to say I'm on the bleeding edge, but for real production stuff, you probably want to wait until it's a little more mature. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Now the the one thing that has me, I, I don't want to say concerned, but as a as an IT worker that I, I have my my ears cocked up for is uh they are making some changes to Active Directory. So there's supposed to be some big enhancements coming to Active Directory, but I have yet to be able to find any documentation on what those enhancements are. But I've heard more than one Microsoft rep say it. And in Windows Server 2025, there's going to be some advancements in AD. And what I suspect is it'll just be further integration into Azure AD and yeah. maybe even making it where you're required to use it. But, but I haven't seen the details yet. Uh, anytime there's a change to Active Directory for an, for an IT worker, a sysadmin, whatever, it it tends to be painful. Yeah, because <laughs> they don't ask us whether or not we want those changes or not. They just kind of come down all ham-fisted style and say, here's your new Active Directory. Enjoy. And yeah. you're like, but you just broke a bunch of my stuff. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> what are you going to do? Not use Active Directory? <laughs> silly, silly person you. That's never going to happen. So eat it and enjoy. And I always love looking at what other people have to say. <clears throat> just because there's always somebody that's like really angry. Yeah. Even for something like this where I'm like, I'm like, okay, this is just a normal like, hey, this is coming. I don't see anything in here that unless somebody's really passionate about WordPad, I guess. But this person, they they didn't uh, specify what they're mad about. They just said fan tastic, yeah. which is a new one for me. Another pile of shite. Nobody yeah. needs. Just <laughs> fix the existing version. So, but that's kind of what they, they come out with it new is. versions of this every couple of years, right? Yeah. So it's normal. So they're they're releasing updates on a very frequent cadence, right? So every mm. month we get new security patches. Every six months we get new feature releases, and then you know they just stick a new name on it every three years. So. That person who's saying just fix your product, well, that, technically that's what they're doing. Yes, yeah, yeah. So that that just means they don't really understand. Yeah. Um, there's, and I'm I'm not saying Microsoft is a bunch of saints, right? Oh. But there's certainly a lot of emotional baggage for things that have happened over the decades, and it's hard for people to overcome that. Um, you know, I remember back in the in the early days of Windows NT when when a new service pack came out, you couldn't trust it. You absolutely could not trust it. Like uh, I think it was Service Pack Three, where your servers would reboot. Once a month, you just your server would reboot. And in the middle of the day, you had no idea what was going on. It would reboot and it turned out it was a problem in that service pack. And they had to, to re-release that service pack. 
it's not like that anymore. You know, mm. these updates, largely, you can trust them and roll them out. Um, it, you yeah. hear about them breaking desktop stuff every now and then, but server's been really solid the last, really like the last eight years. Good for them. I'm, I'm glad to see that they're <laughs> finally like catching up with demand and what we actually need out of our our server environment and our yeah. desktop environments as well, where I do not fear applying my updates. I just want to get it over with yeah. so that I can get back to doing what I want to do. Right. And I do love coming into my office on Wednesday morning going, ah, it was patch Tuesday yesterday because all my stuff is gone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Now I, I will say like in our, in our day job, um, we don't use Windows servers for any of like our, no. our platform product stuff. Uh, we only use we use Hyper V servers, mm -hmm. so that that's all Windows Server for our uh, our lab platform. Um, and we have some on VMware, so it's kind of split. So it, it, we have both. Yeah. Um, but as far as like operational services, the website and all that, that's all hosted on Linux servers these days. So Windows Server has become a little bit less relevant over the years, even inside of Microsoft. You know, we've reported on um, CBL Mariner mm -hmm. and their versions of Linux. In Azure, they launch more Linux virtual machines every day than they do Windows servers. So its relevancy is starting to decline. Um, I don't see anything here that's going to stop that. So I think that trend is just going to continue. Yeah, WordPad being gone. That's what's up. Yeah. <laughs> you think yeah. they would just purchase Notepad++ Notepad++ at this point and make that the default thing? Yeah. Right? I mean... It's a pretty good tool. It is. I Although I would say there's nothing Notepad++ can do that VS Code can't do. Oh, that's true. So That's they, a good point. I, I, I just recently have adopted working with VS Code, so... I'm about to start learning it yeah. for, for, like, show notes and stuff. I know so. I'm late to the game on that as well, but, I mean, if it wasn't broke, why would I fix it? I know yeah. it's cool. You know, <laughs> so I, I know a lot of people that have switched to VS Code. Yeah. Uh, I use Sublime Text. And See, I was, I've been an Atom user for years, and then they yeah. stopped support. So, And I, I've used Sublime for a long time. And I, the reason I got to it originally was it was one of the only editors that was you know, robust feature-wise, but also yeah. had a Mac, Linux, and Windows version. Because I move between all three all the time, so yeah. I, I needed something that was consistent so I could get work done. Um it's not user-friendly software. I've described it before as like an abusive relationship. Yeah, yeah. And, but I stay in it. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm invested. Sublime, Sublime Text loves you like I love Tina. So, <laughs> right. So I I wouldn't, like if I was just starting out today, I probably wouldn't pick Sublime Text, but I've just been in it so long. I I, I talk to Emacs people like that too, oh, yeah. where they just use Emacs so long, there's no way they're going to move away you from it. You want to talk about a religious zealot. Yeah. yeah. But mm. VS Code is super robust. And no, no, my question would be though is, isn't it kind of like, it seems to run a little less quickly than something like a notepad plus plus like it's those kind of stuff is really snappy yeah and for just simple text stuff do i need to fire up the entirety of vs code to get it you know because there's a lot going on especially if you've got a bunch of plugins and themes and all that you could have going on in the hood it'd be nice to just have a simple yet more useful alternative yeah in uh, in Sublime Text, I can open up a five gig CSV file, yeah. and it just it opens, yeah. yeah, and I can scroll straight down, and all yeah. like it, it does really good job of handling uh, memory access. VS Code, not so much, yeah, because I think it's it's built on Electron, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, that'll do it. Well, going back to, uh, to the article, <laughs> we're, we're that's, that's the best part. The rabbit trail is the best part. Sicily, nineteen twenty-three. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as as a reminder. WordPad is dead, and Windows Server 2025 <laughs> is on the way. So there you go. And speaking of things being killed off or declared irrelevant or going the way of the dodo, et cetera, et cetera, this next article comes to us from Ars Technica, and it says, Apple declares last MacBook Pro with an optical drive obsolete. And this laptop had not been in sale for more than seven years, but I guess it was just recently that they finally said, this is obsolete. We haven't been selling it for a while, but 
But as of right now, this is useless, basically. Uh, this one, this one caught me by surprise because I thought it had already happened. Uh, you would think. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know. I, I didn't know that any optical drive systems were still supported by Apple. But the, it turns the out kids there was listening one. Are like, what's an optical drive? Yeah, like light. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. For for the viewers that yeah. don't know, maybe maybe you should give them a brief for the explanation viewers, yeah. for the viewers and listeners yeah. that don't know. Yeah. Not me. Yeah, you not know, you at all. You know all of these things. I remember when uh, a lot of laptop vendors started dropping CD and DVD drives, right? And they were dropping it for a couple of reasons. The main reason was they wanted to make their devices smaller. You yeah. know, you, you see these things like, Daniel, your laptop is so thin. Yeah. You, you couldn't put an optical nope. drive in there. Um, Sophie, yours is a little bit thicker. Maybe they could, like, on the other side. But mm. but they wanted that room for ports. They wanted other stuff to go in there. And the bigger other batteries. Yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely bigger batteries. Uh, but the other problem was that optical media had met its maximum transfer rate. Right. Like there was no way to speed it up. Um, if you if you ever dealt with these things, they used to advertise the CD and DVD drives, and they'd say it was a a forty X or a forty eight X or a fifty two X. Yeah, I remember that. And they stopped at fifty two X. And what that was was a, a measure of how fast the disc could spin. And once you get over 52X... The thing destroys itself. The, the disc breaks apart yeah. Yeah, and shoots out like shrapnel. And, and so, so they, they... I turned my computer into a bomb. It's like an IED. <laughs> I just wanted to watch, you know, Stargate. <laughs> now you got pieces of disc stuck in your face. Yeah, right. uh, so, Worth it. <laughs> so with the transfer rate maxed out, like they, there was no advancement there. And, and Blu-ray came out, yeah. but nobody... Uh, Blu-ray did not. Blu-ray did not get the adoption rate that you saw with other stuff. Um, and so it made sense for it to die away. And I thought at the time I was like, "Oh man, I, I have so many discs that I'm going to need access to." I bought a USB yeah. uh, DVD drive, and it sat in my desk drawer. I haven't broken that thing out in years. So well, and then like torrenting became really popular around that time as well. And so I could get a digital copy of uh, someone could get a digital copy <laughs> of a movie. I've heard. I've heard that <laughs> this can I've heard happen. That this was a possibility. <laughs> and that people did it. And then it was like, well, I just watched it all on my computer anyway. Well, I, I don't need to use the optical drive anymore because most of the things I'm watching that I would be that or that they would be watching instead is no longer on on a disc. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for a while they were selling TV shows yeah. on DVD and you can still buy them that way. But a lot of series aren't released that way now. They, it's it's going to be on a streaming service. That's right. the way to do it. So uh, I was surprised to see, though, that there was still one Apple device, the MacBook, uh, 2012 MacBook Pro, that had an optical drive that was still supported. And I, I actually had that laptop uh, back when we started IT Pro TV, which was in you 2012. That, that was the laptop that I got as my, my company laptop. Uh, used it for three years and then replaced it, I think. So yeah. uh it was a good device, but I probably didn't use the DVD drive back then either. Right. It's just not something we really need anymore. So finally, Apple said, why are we supporting this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if you go and look at Lenovo's today, yeah. uh, Microsoft Surface, I don't think any Surface ever had uh, an optical disc in it. So yeah. I think it's it's finally that nail in the coffin that uh, just not available anymore. So I keep one laptop around that has an optical drive in it for the purposes of... Ripping my movies yeah, <laughs> and yeah. putting them on my Plex server. And mm. if I'm like, oh, no one's got this on Plex, I'll look through my cases and go, oh, I, I knew I had this and pull it out, rip it and throw it up on the Plex server. Huh. I, 
I did have to do that not too long ago. My my youngest son wanted to watch a VeggieTales movie that was oh, on. Yeah. I noticed that you had a VeggieTales. I was like, <laughs> oh, my, oh, my fucking VeggieTales. My kids love it. It was on, uh, I forget, it was on Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever, yeah. and they removed it from their library, Ugh. and so he couldn't watch it. And so I was like, great. And so, so I thought, I've heard that people can go and download things <laughs> right. on the internet, uh-huh. and I couldn't find it. And so I was like, fine, whatever. I go on Amazon, seven bucks for the DVD. I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll sold. buy the DVD. And then I had to remember how to rip a DVD because it's been so long. That's uh, a handbrake. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. handbrake is easy, super easy. But you have to add the DCSS DLL no. to it. I did. No, mine was all. It was like, oh. psh, psh, install handbrake, run handbrake. There you go. Well, apparently I'm amateur hour because <laughs> I had. To- <laughs> Add the DCSS library yeah. to it and stuff, but uh, but so I, I ripped it and threw yeah. it on on Plex just because like you couldn't get it online any other way. <laughs> Don, huh. Did you just admit to a crime? <laughs> I don't think so because I, I own the DVD, right? Right, but you're not allowed to break the encryption. That's what's illegal. Oh. This you're is allowed, all in theory. Yes, all this is you're theoretical. allowed to have a digital copy, but you are not allowed to break the encryption. Well then, then yes, I believe I've committed a federal crime, and the FBI will be notified. They will right be away. knocking on your door, and it'll momentarily. be uh, Veggie Tales versus Don Pizzetti <laughs> right. in the Supreme Court. <laughs> that is kind of funny. I won't be taken down by some talking tomato. So <laughs> I, I went to watch. I went to watch the talented Mr. Ripley the other day, and nobody in our circle that I that I have. Anyway. We've got the talented Mr. Ripley right. He's yeah, ripping he's DVDs left and right. <laughs> 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 now, uh, I, I know that uh, I know most uh, of our viewers and listeners probably are on the level where you know you're you're ingrained in this stuff. You know the terms. Keep in mind, I only started working in this space a couple of years ago. A lot of this stuff is stuff that I used, and I just didn't know the proper name for it. So, hmm. like, I had a laptop that had what apparently is an optical drive in it. I just always called it like, oh, the, the DVD drive, the CD drive, whatever. I never knew that that was the name for it. So this has been eye opening for me in a way I didn't know it would be because yeah. I hear optical drive, and I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking. Did I miss the boat on that? And, the, you know, that wouldn't be surprising because I missed the boat on a lot of things. It just was before my time. But this is something that, yes, I used yeah. and just didn't know that's what it was called. So for those of you that are a little more like me that are – maybe you know the stuff. You're still learning the terms. There you go. Yeah. Maybe you've learned something today. It's also today. known as the cup holder. Yes, right? the cup holder. <laughs> so wasn't that part of, like, uh, the Sub-7 Trojan where you could – it was a command control, right? So if 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 I infected your machine with sub seven, then there I had a dashboard and that of things I could do to your computer, and one of them was a cup holder. I think uh, I think that's what it was, and and the train the drive, yeah. That would just that would yeah. freak me out. Just and that's poof. the whole purpose of it was to like freak someone out, make them yeah. go. What the you f- could do nothing else to my computer and leave everything else alone, and that would be enough for me to be like it's haunted. It's so funny how you can, especially back in the day when we were you know young bucks in this. You can mess with people because they didn't understand how the technology work. I worked at the local hospital, uh, workstation support, and that's when we learned about NetSend, mm-hmm. right? And you could send these messages to people via NetSend, unauthenticated. That, yeah, unauthenticated. <laughs> Just if they're if they're connected, yeah, you could send Just them a throw message. It out there. And a lot of the guys I worked with spent a lot of time in chat rooms at that time. This is the late '90s, right? So a lot of spent a lot of times trying to meet people on chat rooms. And one dude was was kind of annoying, so I sent him a net send message like, "Why would you send that to me?" And I made because you could say it came from this person, and he thought that we had said inappropriate things to some girl he was trying to talk to on the on the internet. Nice. 
And I would just keep sending him messages. He's like, I can't stop this from bombing. <laughs> I was like, I'm a hacker and I hacked your computer. <laughs> it was it was hysterical. <clears throat> That's me. very in character for you, yes. I feel like. The good old days. But, you know. Yeah, it was fun. <clears throat> well, there you go. Like like Don said, this is uh it seems like this is something that I mean, it's it's been out of use, I guess, or out of common use for a long time, but I guess this is the official end of that era. Rest in peace or rip. Let's pour one out. To finish it on a on a you know, rip that that note. That was a joke. You can laugh. Uh this next article comes to us from Yeah, he laughed. He just waited till he was off camera to do it. Silent laugh. This next next article comes to us from Pharonix. Grub two working on TPM two, automatic disc unlock, trench boot, and more. And I, I will be totally honest. Um, this is something that I might need you to help me kind of parse through because I read through it and a lot of it is acronyms and stuff that I'm just not familiar yep. with. Uh, and I, I don't think you would have used any of this um, because Grub, uh, Grub, if you run Linux, the odds are you run Grub, right? Grub is the default bootloader for most Linux distros that are out there. So when you boot up your computer, your uh, UEFI BIOS kicks in. It goes to find the operating system. It typically finds your Grub bootloader. The Grub bootloader identifies the different distros that are running on your system. And and Grub can boot Windows. It can boot uh, Mac OS even. I mean, it can boot Linux. Uh, if you just have Linux installed, this might all get skipped for you and just goes right into your OS. But otherwise, it lets you pick. So like I have my, my laptop set up where I can pick between Windows and Linux. And so Grub is what displays that. Grub doesn't get updated very often. Uh, in fact, it just got updated at the end of December, and that was the first update in over two years. And we don't normally report on it because, honestly, it's Grub. Yeah. So who, it who really cares? your operating system. <laughs> but there was a conference in Europe just last week called FOSDEM 2024, and the Grub team made some announcements on what they're working on this year. And one of those things was really important, and I wanted to get the word out on it, and that is automatic disk unlock. If you use disk encryption on Linux, it's super duper frustrating, right? Because of the way it's implemented and you kind of have a choice. If you do like Lux disk encryption, typically you're going to power on your computer and you have to manually type in a decryption key to be able to unlock the disk to finish booting. And then you still have to log into the system and go in. You can do custom authentication modules and try and do things like uh, I had mine set up to use a YubiKey at one point, Mm. um, which was nice. At least I didn't have to type in a big key, but... It was still annoying to have to go through that process. When you look at Mac OS and you look at Windows and how they're able to boot up and you just authenticate one time, you use your user account and the key to unlock the disk is stored in the TPM. And Linux has not had great support for that. There have been ways to kind of force it in there um, and it just, it's never been very reliable. I haven't trusted it. And if you Google around, you'll find tons of instructions where people say, oh, yeah, it's really easy to make Grub do the unlock. What you do is you take your encryption key and you put it in your FSTAB file. So when it goes to mount it, it can decrypt it. That's a mistake. Yeah, because the (laughs) FSTAB file is not encrypted. Yeah. So if somebody, like if I steal somebody's computer, I can just stick their hard drive onto my computer and go into that FSTAB file, get the key, and and off we go. We just blew the encryption away. You might as well not encrypt. Uh, But... The Grub team is finally putting a focus on this. They're looking at the TPM2 support to say, we want you to be able to store the encryption key in the TPM, just like the other operating systems do. And that way, when you boot up, you just have to authenticate one time. And now you can have your full disk encryption much more reliably. That's something to be excited about. And if they get it done this year, that's something you'll want to adopt quickly. Yeah, that'll be a really good uh, step in the right direction for Linux operating systems out there in the world, right? Because then you become uh, with parity with the others. Yes. Yeah. And might give you a little more market share. Not that you got a ton, but 
Yeah. Uh, whatever, whatever I can have, I want it all, right? Yep. <laughs> Somebody in the comments had mentioned, and, and again, some of this is stuff that I, I wouldn't be familiar with, because just because I don't use Linux, I don't use a lot of this stuff. Um, but and a couple that's why people we had, hate you. I know, <laughs> I know. Well, that among other reasons. Yeah. But a couple of people had mentioned that they were even more excited about the upcoming Argon Two support. Is that something that y'all had heard about, or something that that was on your radars at all? Um, it's not on my radar either. No. So you know. Yeah, the the Argon Two is a. Um, isn't that a Raspberry Pi case? I have no idea. Which has a, a weird boot system on it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have, I, I've got an Argon One. Let me, let me make sure I know what I'm talking about here before yeah. I say, like, what is an Argon Two? I did not mean 2? to throw you a curveball. I'm just, I, I'm not familiar <laughs> with a lot of the terms. So, um, something um, else that people were saying was, uh, I'd much rather distros commit to using no. System D boot. Like a lot of people had mentioned that. An Argon Two is a memory hard hard key derivation function. All right, so it's another way of hashing. A password. Oh, I'm not familiar with that one. So uh, yeah, I, apparently that person's excited about it. Yeah. Okay. There, it was mentioned a couple times, and then other people saying like, "What's the point? Just commit to using System D boot." And I'm not familiar with that either. So, um, unfortunately, it's hard for me to parse through this stuff sometimes. But yeah. Yeah. when in, when it comes to Linux, mm -hmm. um, I can fo generally follow along with with Windows and Mac and things. But well, it's just an operating system. I don't use a ton. And, and this article came to us from the the people at Pharonix, mm -hmm. and the Pharonix like the. The, the guy who runs it, uh, Michael Larabelle, really intelligent guy. But then all the people that post on there are are really, really knowledgeable, especially yeah. when it comes to hard drive, hardware drivers and stuff. So the the comment section is a little more advanced than like on a Tom's Hardware or someplace like that. Okay. And I guess this is where a lot of times um, folks that are listening and watching, sometimes they, they're able to offer, you know, oh, hey, you guys were talking about this. Here's what that means. So if you're familiar with, you know, Argon 2, for instance, and you've got something to say about that, feel free, drop a comment, let us know. Because um, I definitely, I do go back and read them and it, it helps me a lot when there's things that are like, oh, Sophie, this is actually what that means. And I don't know, it's, it's just, it's helpful, <laughs> yeah. you know? Some of them just make you cry. Some of them do. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, you know, maybe not cry. Be just, kind you know. in the comment section, people, please. Yeah. Is that too much to ask? Talking about, I got nerves of steel. <laughs> We're just having fun here. Don't take yeah, it's a good time. Seriously. But but yeah, it's it's it does seem like based on the comments, even though I can't maybe f parse through every specific that they mention, general excitement about yeah. this, yeah. general good yeah. good vibes, good news. It, it's nice that they share the roadmap, mm -hmm. and there's some good stuff on there that that's worth getting excited over. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that is going to do it for our tech news. Don't worry though, we've got security news coming up in the second half, and like I said, some of it did give me a bit of a fright. So if you want to know more about that, you'll just have to stick around for the second half of Technado. Tired of trying to schedule your team's time around in-person learning? Isn't it a bummer to spend thousands of dollars on travel for professional development? What if we said you can save money and time and still provide your team with the best training possible? The answer to your woes is live online training from ACI Learning. With live online training, we provide our top in-person courses in private, online, instructor-led formats. You get to provide professional development in a manner that fits today's expectations. Entertaining, convenient, and effective. Our exam-aligned courses inspire the full potential of your team. Visit virtual instructor-led training at ACI Learning for more info. Welcome back for more Technado. Thanks so much for staying with us through that break. And whether you're watching on YouTube, joining us from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening or watching from, thank you so much for being here. And if you haven't already, feel free to subscribe so you never miss an episode of Technado in the future. We also have uh, webinars, live on social events that live here on the channel. If you are joining us from YouTube, we've got a webinar this week. It's actually later today. It has to do with uh, IT, getting into IT, building your resume and things like that. So feel free to join for that. Uh, I believe that's going to be Lauren that's on that, Lauren Deal, and she'll have a guest. So should be a lot of fun. Tune in. 
And of course, every other episode of Technado lives on this channel. So you never run out of material to watch. That being said, we've got more Technado for you today. We've got a couple of security articles we're going to get into. And this first one comes to us from Ars Technica. Are you guys, are you guys feeling prepped, ready to jump in? I think so. Yeah. Uh, security and, thing bad. And uh, <laughs> for those of you in TV land who wonder what we talk about during the break, I just want to answer a question for us that uh, Miley Cyrus's net worth is currently $160 million. Oh, so, uh, so not a billion. I mean, these are the things like we talk hurting. about. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. She's doing fine. But if Taylor Swift woke up with Miley Cyrus's money, she'd probably have a real problem. Yeah. She yeah. would. She yeah. would. She'd be crying. How is she supposed to afford two private jets? Mm-hmm. There, w- there would be teardrops Which on her guitar. She has. I just saw yesterday that she's being like attacked because she has two private jets, and she could have her, her carbon footprint is apparently not great. Yeah, <laughs> it does hit a little weird when you know it's uh, reduce your carbon footprint and then you see people then, that, yeah. that have yeah. two jets, and it's yeah. like I'm not the problem here. But anyway. <laughs> anyway, you know who is the problem? Chinese hackers, right? They don't sure are. Good segue, Man. yes. Yes, and uh, gosh, you know, crazy coincidence. Speaking, <laughs> that's a question for them. But speaking of Chinese hackers, that's where our next article is going to take us. It comes to us from Ars Technica. Chinese malware removed from Soho routers after FBI issues covert commands. It says it's routers are being, huh? About time. About yeah. <laughs> Yeah, routers are being used to conceal attacks on critical infrastructure. Isn't it always? Mm-hmm. Every time there's an attack, it's always like critical. It's always something like huge. Because if it wasn't, it wouldn't be news, right? It's huge. Huge. It's huge. the best. Very big. The best. Very big. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so yes. So criti- so it says Chinese malware removed. So I guess that's good. But what happened sure. here? So a couple interesting things coming out of this article, and and the first off is that like the FBI is actively accessing citizens' routers and and removing malware from them, right? Um, there are people who argue that that's a bad thing. Uh, it's but an interesting idea. <laughs> I view it as a public service, personally. I, I appreciate that they're doing yeah. it. Uh, they did have to get a seizure warrant. So this isn't like right. a warrantless thing. They didn't just go <laughs> and do it. Um, and the the way the warrant is, like uh, the, the U.S. legal system is not designed to handle situations like this. And so a seizure warrant says they're allowed to go in and take the router. So they could have gone out to hundreds of American households and just taken the router and walked out the door. That's what the warrant says, but that's not what they did. Instead, they remotely accessed these devices and removed the Chinese malware that was put on them uh, to prevent that from being exploited. Now, that's one part of what happened. Now, the other part I think is really interesting because a number of news sites are describing this as a botnet being taken down. And when I think of a botnet, maybe this is just a me thing, but I think of thousands of zombie computers that are now going to be used for like a distributed denial of service attack. Mm -hmm. But that's not what these were being used for. What they were being used for was each of these routers were building a VPN tunnel back to China. That's how they know, you know, where this was sourced from. And it allowed hackers in China to traverse the VPN and then perform attacks from U.S. IPs. So it was IP addresses right here in the U.S. accessing critical infrastructure. So that's a problem. You know, there's a code red right now or whatever the color Mm -hmm. system is that uh, we're supposed to be getting an overwhelming attack from China and Russia on the cybersecurity front in the next, I don't know, whatever panic window of time they want to give us. So, uh, uh, So, you know, we're seeing some actions being taken right now to help prevent that. So this one's pretty neat. They didn't disable any functionality on the routers. Even if you had a, your own VPN set up, they didn't disable that. They were able to just target the malware piece and remove it. But in all these cases, they were Linksys uh, or Cisco brand at the time uh, and Netgear routers that had reached end of life. So the vendors were not putting out updates for it. So even 
even if the home user wanted to do the update, they couldn't. There just wasn't one available. They would have to buy a new router. Well, the FBI has uh, stepped in and kind of solved the problem. So, I, A, they actually didn't solve the problem. Oh, no? Right. Here's fun fact. In this article, it says that if these routers are rebooted, then the FBI pushed fix goes away and the routers are again like, oh, it's vulnerable. I missed that part. That's yeah, uh, real disappointing. Yeah, yeah, real disappointing. So if they were to have sent FBI agents with a tech geek in underhand with a new router in hand and went and took that router out of the and put a new one in and set it up for the person, that would have been a better solution. Yeah, one that was not vulnerable. That's not going to happen though. They, they would go and they would take the router, and that would be that. Like, yeah, that, that would that's be that. <laughs> but like, I mean, we spent a bunch of stupid money on stupid stuff anyway. So let's why not this? Yeah, right. Yeah. It's it's only hundreds of routers. It said, so I feel like this was a project that could have gotten behind and just said these routers bad, whoosh, garbage time, and and we're gonna put this router in and don't don't get that one out of the garbage anymore because it's bad, and then. It ends up out of the garbage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some kids are like, whoa, a new router. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I can game. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. That was the fun part about this. I was like, okay, so I kinda I'm kinda like with you on this as far as I, I'm not a huge fan of the government doing things, but the fact that they got warrants and this was was more of a public service than it was them trying to get I I'm fearful of slippery slopes that Government tends to take the, the, what do they say? Once the exception, once you make an exception to the rule, the exception becomes the rule kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So I worry about that. But there's only a couple of hundred of, again, maybe it's, it's all one grain of rice on the heap, right? As it continues, there's arguments we made on both sides on whether or not this morally or ethically was correct to do. Um, obviously, why not? Why not go to the, uh, industrial controls are the critical infrastructure places and say, let's block these IPs, right? Instead of knocking people's right, taking control of other people's right. And then sending those people some sort of information, your router has been hacked. You need to take, you know, steps to remedy this, go buy a new router. Here's a couple of, we suggest, and maybe we'll even, we'll even, here's a, here's a check for a hundred bucks. Go buy a new router. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's so many other things they could have done that would have been m technically more effective because as soon as they get a power outage or, hey, the Internet's not running really great, re reboot the router. Their fix goes bye bye. Yeah. Right. I, I think you know, in the medical industry, they yeah. have a phrase and you've all probably heard this before. You know, you, you don't treat the symptom, you treat the cause. Right. Right. If you want to fix it, yeah. if you just treat the symptom then it's never going to go away, right? So, so that's exactly why they do that. So right? the 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 symptom. Well, I guess yeah. The, right? When when money fuels the medical industry. <laughs> that's it. Um, so the symptom here, we got a couple of symptoms, right? Yeah. So our our critical infrastructure is not secure. That right? that's one symptom. We've got home users are unable to update their routers. That's a symptom. The routers have vulnerabilities. That's a symptom. Uh, the cause is we've got hackers that are attacking the system, yeah. right? If the hackers didn't exist, it wouldn't matter if these systems were updated or not. Yeah. But if you look at the the FBI, for example, and say, all right, what can they do about those Chinese hackers or, or whatever country they're from? doesn't not matter, right? Lot. Hackers in general. Not a lot without really breaking our freedoms, right? Oh, right. Um, you know, they could, they could pull a, a China and say, we're going to put a great firewall around the United States yeah. and not allow traffic to other countries, which... 
honestly might be a good thing, but, but <laughs> you know, at that point it really starts to tread on freedom of information and, and so right. on. Um, so, so let's you know, go to a hot war with China. No, don't do that. <laughs> and I, I do think they're they're making efforts on the uh, critical infrastructure side. Yeah, like you know, there's a lot of money going into that to right now to try security around critical infrastructure. Yeah. But it's so bad; it, it's, it's going to take well, a while. I mean, it, it was built. It was such a monolith, and it was built with no real security in mind because of how it was designed. Right? It wasn't designed to be connected. And then we said, you know, what we should do. We should connect these things because I like working from home. Totally get that. But you see that you got to do that risk matrix thing, right? <laughs> what is that? The uh, likelihood versus uh, probability or whatever. Yeah, yeah probability yeah, and yeah. impact. And impact. There you go. Yeah. Impact. And uh, that's that's going to score high on that on that scale. So we should probably do other things like build security first and then connect, not slap security on some crappy connection solution that you decided yeah. to go with. Well, you know, it kind of ties into what we were talking about in the first half of the show with SMB. Right. Where SMB or FTP for that matter, you know, they they started out with no security on them. Yep. And it's been bolted on and that shows it's not great. Right. So is it time to create new protocols, create new system? It, it is, Absolutely. but people aren't doing it. Yeah. And and that's because it's really hard to do that, A, and and that's true. That is a true statement. It is hard to create new protocols, get wide adoption, but it's got to start somewhere. It's one of those things where it's the journey of a thousand miles, right? It starts with a single step. You just have to get going. You have to start creating the, the protocols that have that uh, advanced layer of security built into them, mm. designs that have security in mind, and then every new thing we do starts to adopt that as we slough off the old and we, we hobble along and we bolt modularize as much as possible until and we can move away completely from that so that it can be a part of the system until I don't need it anymore. Mm. But if you never make steps toward it, you're just leaving yourself wide. I, I, yeah. I don't get it. Why are we not? We have so much money. We have so much capability. We have so much infrastructure. We could be doing it. We blow money on dumb crap. That, yeah. that means absolutely nothing. In the long run, because we want the M1 money stock to go up. Yeah, I, I think, and I, I don't want to turn this into a political podcast yeah. or whatever, but I think when you look at our leadership here in the United States, yeah, where the average age is nine thousand, yeah, these are these are not people that grew up with computers. That's true, right? That's true, and and so they don't think that way, and they probably have staffers that did grow up with computers that recognize this as a threat, and they're trying to do things. Yeah, but I I think that's a big part of the Until problem. So the old guard kind of goes away. Yeah, like, but that's, I mean that keeps us behind the eight ball for so much longer. If you're a senator and you literally fought in a real war and really had to shoot yeah. at people, yeah. it's hard to get upset about somebody like remotely turning your light on and off. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I think yeah. that's a big Especially part if you it. don't understand the implication that like it's not necessarily, oh, they're turning the light on and off. What's the big deal? Okay, but the fact that they can do that and they have access to do that. Like mm -hmm. I could see you know somebody that's that age being, oh, what's the big deal? And not understanding the implication. Now, the I'm curious. I was, I was poking around in the comments because, you know, <laughs> okay. you know, I like to do that. And um, somebody mentioned what was more disturbing to me than hackers is that these routers have covert commands to begin with. Covert commands in this case seems to be a polite euphemism for a backdoor. Correct. Do you think that that's that's pretty accurate of a statement to make? It's it's not impossible. Which that's is, what it, yeah. and it's not even like horribly improbable. Yeah, okay. it, it is probable that they I mean, most of these things are made in China. It mm -hmm. is quite 
possible and even probable that that is the case, that they have backdoored these things. Yeah. And unless we're doing some sort of security due diligence to look for it, then, and I mean, we do have, um, when, when you create a, a device that has to meet FCC regulations, you have to submit a bunch of like testing and paperwork that goes along with that. And you kind of look that up. If you look at your router and you see the FCC ID on the bottom of it, you can actually look that ID up and it will show you like the internals of the device and some of the schematics and specs that go along with that. But I don't think that they require any kind of security testing on the device mm. before it is approved for sale in the United States. So it it does seem kind of weird that we would purchase devices from a country that we're not that friendly with. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that that seems odd to me. I mean, and it's not just you know, we're, I'm not just talking home routers here. We buy like electrical transformers from China. Like I, I would I would all of them. Like all, yes, <laughs> right. all of them that run computers that have technology built into them and they don't run through any security tests. They just plug yeah. it in, turn it on. You yeah. know, Bruce Schneier was pushing for this a couple of years back where uh, you know, we have uh, underwriters laboratories, UL. Yeah. So if you get uh, a battery from overseas, you want to make sure that it's UL rated yeah. because otherwise it's going to explode when it charges or, you know, your electrical devices and stuff. You want to see those logos on there to know that it's been tested. We, we have that in place yeah. because we were getting dangerous products from other countries, but we, we don't have that for software. There's no software equivalent right. on that. And, and we are trusting. I mean, just go on Amazon. You know this better than anybody, yeah. Daniel. Go on, go on Amazon and look at the wireless webcams. Yeah. And when you're buying a Yon2 brand that you've never heard of before, do you think they really invested in secure software for that webcam? No, they did the bare minimum to get it operational, and then they're selling it for 15 bucks on Amazon. There's no way they have a security team and, and so on. No. Right. And, and it just it continues. Again, it goes back to the idea if if we were like super friendly with China and China was very, you know, not very militaristic against us, but unfortunately sure. they are. Yeah. They they absolutely are. We we are obviously being attacked by yeah. them on a daily basis. Why in the world would we have business with them? That just doesn't make sense. They are literally your enemy. <laughs> and you're going, no, but but I mean, if I meet you on a battlefield, I'm going to shoot you right in the face. But hand me, hand me that stuff. I, I, are you building that cool stuff? Over? Let me get some of that. I'll pay yeah. you. That, yeah. that doesn't make sense. If I'm your enemy, I'm going to go, oh, heck yeah. Let me get you some of those. Here you go. It's all good, man. I mean, battlefield, I'll kill you. But I yeah. forget what it was. The other, the other day I was shopping for something and and uh, somebody had made a post saying, you know, I'm not going to buy that one. I want to buy American. Yeah. And somebody else replied and said, okay, which brand is made in America? Yeah. Because none of them were. Not me. And so, you know, a lot of times we don't have a choice. You just right. have to mm -hmm. do that. Right. And, mm. I mean, we, we kind of got ourselves into this position by uh, getting rid of manufacturing in America, mm. right? Because it got became really cheap. Thank you, politicians. I know this has become like a political show yeah. all of a sudden. But <laughs> these things are what have caused the issues that we're looking yeah. at. And this, this is what has made it possible for these hacks to occur. Well, so I, we, if we don't address, kind of like what, to Don's point, if we don't address the cause, we're just fighting symptoms at that point, and that's all we'll ever do. Yep. I would argue that regardless of how you feel politically, I think a lot of people agree that it is, it's tough to have a lot of representatives that are quite a bit older just because, you know, Agreed. it's 
it, you know, to have somebody that's maybe a, a little bit younger, a little bit, you know, maybe you don't want somebody that's 16 in there, but, you know, somebody that maybe has a better that idea be of, of current problems, right? <laughs> current issues like that, you know, right. as opposed to to just things that have been issues for years, things that are upcoming yeah. issues. But, oh, did you I, find I did, the average age? I did look it up, yeah. In, in, the, in the house, uh, the average age is 58 years, which is huh? high, but not... Not as high not as I would have expected. Not crazy. Well, yeah. we, we've had a couple of rounds within the last few elections yeah. that have gotten Bring down the younger average. people in. Yeah. Yeah. But in the Senate, the average age is 65 years. Mm. And so if the average age is people that are at retirement age, like 65 yeah. is the retirement age in the United States, um, those are not people that grew up with computers. That's and, true. And when you're at the end of your career, you're not like, oh, I'm going to learn some new technology. Yeah. Most people aren't, right? It's it's not what they do. Yeah. So, yeah, when when that's what you've got leading the initiatives, you're not going to get cutting edge stuff. Yeah. Well, back when I was an in-classroom trainer, I loved when I did like a, a, a computers basics course or whatever, mm -hmm. and there would be older people that came in. They're like, I'm learning this stuff. I'm sick of not knowing how to do the normal everyday things yeah. that my kids can do and my grandkids can do, and I have no concept of this, so I want to learn this stuff. I'm like, you're the kind of person that is awesome. Right. You rock because you are not satisfied to rest on your laurels and just fade off into the sunset. Right. You want to be a part of the solution and not part of the problem. I doubt highly that you are going to be the kind of person that gets, you know, scammed yeah. uh, or things like that because you are keeping your ear to the ground. You're staying informed. You're yeah. staying yeah. informed. Mm -hmm. yep. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it does seem like this is kind of a, you know, you'd kind of mentioned it's it's a fix, but not really a permanent fix. It's, right. This could easily be undone. So Band-Aids don't fix bullet holes. You know, it's just. <laughs> no, they don't. You know, so anyway. But uh, I, I guess it's good that they're trying to to fix this, and um, we'll have to see if this pops up later in a Deja News segment. Yeah, to <laughs> me, that, that was more of a like a temporary solution to a permanent problem, Yeah, and they need to come up with a permanent solution to that problem. Yeah, yeah it's a bandy solution. But moving on, we've got a couple of fun segments here coming up, and this first one is one of my favorites. It's Who Got Pwned. Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah. That in my ear that time. Sometimes I hear it and sometimes I don't. This one comes to us from Bleeping Computer. AnyDesk says hackers breached its production servers and reset passwords. And I'm scanning through this article, I'm scrolling, and I'm looking for like the apology. <laughs> or like the the you know yeah. you well, the, the weirdly we? phrased apology, like yeah. we regret that this happened. And so so anyway, I didn't really see any of that, I don't think, but I did see the situation's under control. You know, we know that it's it wasn't that big of a problem. Step but one in the playbook, right? Right, exactly, right. So is this just damage control? Like, is it really not that big of a deal, or is what they're saying, oh, it's not that big of a deal? Is that just damage control? It, it, it's a big deal, yeah. Okay. So um, <laughs> AnyDesk got breached. If you're not familiar with AnyDesk, what they do is they provide remote desktop access for enterprise organizations. So it's not it's not something an end user would sign up for. Like, I just mm. want to access my computer at home. Like, go to my PC or something like that. It's designed for enterprises where you have a help desk. And you want the help desk to be able to remotely view the computer screen of employees. So, not not just randomly. I don't seem like <laughs> creepy stuff. That happens, but, right? Don't uh, we it, we it have does, seen that. It does happen. Uh, but you know, you get a call from from uh, an end user, and they're like, "Hey, I'm trying to do this in Word, and it's not working." The help desk person can say, "Hey, all right, hang on, I'm going to bring up your screen," and they bring up the screen, and like, oh, walk me through it, and, and you kind of walk through and see what's happening. It makes it makes tech support way easier. I, I don't know how you would do it without that kind of thing. Like, it's tough. It's, it's super. I've, I've had to do it like VNC didn't work or any desk didn't work for whatever reason. And you're like, okay, so here's what you need to do. It looks like this. Click that. Tell me what you see. And then have to like paint you a mental picture. It's not fun. So yeah. these, these things are, are really nice to have. 
So in this case, it was a full breach. The attackers were able to gain access to the network. They were able to reset passwords on accounts and gain administrative access. And they were able to export digital signing keys, the private keys used to, to sign the AnyDesk software. AnyDesk software, actually any, any screen sharing software has two parts, right? There's the, the software mechanism that drives it, the user interface and all of that. Uh, but then there's usually a hardware driver piece behind it because it'll create a fake monitor. It's mirroring your desktop to a fake monitor, and that's how it, it transmits. That's how almost all of them work. And the digital signing key, it can be the same for both. It looks like it was the same for both in this case. doesn't matter even if it was two because the hackers would have been able to get access to both of them. Mm -hmm. um, but they got, that, got access to the keys, which means that the attackers, one, can reset passwords on accounts to gain access to them, and two, they could create malicious versions of the AnyDesk client and push it out digitally signed. Your system would automatically trust that, it. That sounds like a supply chain attack, Don. Uh, it is. Oh, oh straight dang up. it. Straight not up. that again. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's Man, uh, every time. Rinse and repeat. <laughs> yeah. um, AnyDesk came out and said, hey, we, we found this happened. Uh, allegedly, they found it on their own. It wasn't reported from a customer. So that's, that's a good sign because that means customers weren't seeing unauthorized access. Uh, they immediately took the system offline. They had it offline for about four days. And in that time, they fixed whatever the attack vector was. They haven't told us the attack vector yet. Uh, but they also are in the process of cycling out their signing keys. Uh, as far as I'm aware, as of the filming of this episode, they actually haven't revoked the prior key yet. They, they said they're going to but they're pushing out software with the new signed key and it's a different key. And so they're giving customers a chance to update first before they revoke it. So by the time you listen to this podcast, it might already be revoked. We'll have to see. Uh, but they're also resetting the password for everybody's account. So you have to go through that. Uh, and then they're telling people, hey, it's fine. Any desk is totally safe to use. You can keep using it. Everything's good. Don't worry about it. Um, in their their statement, they said, "I, I gotta find the actual." Did they quote. just have a, like a Outlook? Uh, we got breach template that, <laughs> that every all these companies are sharing with each other. <laughs> so one thing they said, and this is really suspect, uh, is they said, and, and this is a direct quote: "Any desk is designed in a way which session authentication tokens cannot be stolen." Uh, right, because they're they're stored on the end user's computer and not on yep. a server anywhere. And and that totally makes sense, right? Yeah. So the attackers can't steal a token, right? Fine. Right. But they can generate new ones. Yes. Right? If I reset Daniel's password and I log in as Daniel, it's just going to generate a new token. That's true. Right? So, yeah, I can't steal his existing token, but I can sure as hell generate a new one and connect <laughs> yeah. up, right? So that's where you have to be really careful when you read these things. They're not lying. Yeah. They're telling the truth. In just a very specific leaving way. parts out. What what is that called? Um, lying yeah. by omission. Lying by omission. If you're leaving yeah. parts out, you're lying by omission. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, so yeah. That, that's effectively for, what's, for what's the happening. purposes of misleading you. Mm. That's that's what you got, and that's, that's exactly what it seems like they're doing there, Don. Where it's like, let me let me craft a narrative that doesn't make us look bad, that gives you truth pieces, and then I'll let you draw your own conclusions about what that means based off of the verbiage that I use and all that. And I'll frame this in a way that makes everything seem okay. And honestly, like if this were maybe two years ago, I'd have been like, Oh yeah, cool, man. But we've seen this happen so many times now. That's why we're making jokes about this being step one in this playbook. Yeah. Because we know next week or the week after or whatever, they're going to be like, so here's the thing. 
you know how we told you like that? Well, here's the problem. And but good news, right? They always got to end it with good news, right? But good news is that this is an easy fix. You apply this or you do that or you do whatever steps they give you and everything's fine. You don't have to worry about data breaches, nothing. No customer data actually got compromised. Mm. And then a couple of weeks later they go, here's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's basically Armageddon for us. <laughs> <laughs> There's blood as high as a horse's mane yeah. in the streets. And <laughs> that's what it says in the book of Revelation. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I must have missed that one. Armageddon. Yeah. Okay. So so if you use any desk and you're wondering, yeah. <laughs> have I been updated? Do I have the new certificate or whatever? Uh, they actually did something interesting here, which I, I appreciate. Uh, the previous version of the software was signed with a certificate that was issued from Philandro Software GmbH. They're a German company. GmbH is like their core yeah. type name. So uh, Philandro Software. And their new one is signed by AnyDesk Software. Now, I've seen this a lot where companies start out under one name. Uh, mm. You know, if, if you go way back in time, IT Pro TV originally was called Edutainment Live. Yep. And our original certificate was issued by Edutainment Live. And then the, the website was IT Pro TV. Well, I get frustrated as a customer. It's, I, I actually do look at the, so, the, the signatures the on software yeah. that I download. And when I see something, I'm downloading AnyDesk, Philandro software. Who the hell is that? Now I got to go and Google it and figure out who this is. I'm like, oh, okay, that's just the company that develops this. Right. That was their old name. They rebranded, whatever. Because they did something horrible or they went out of business. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. You know, or, or maybe it was on the up and yeah, up. They just rebranded and never updated the certificates. But as an end user, it's hard enough already to train people to look at the certificates, but when right. the names are completely out of left field like that, yeah, you make it, it super difficult. It is. And so I, I do think if, if you are a software developer out there and you publish signed software, please use a, a, uh, a name on the signature that right. makes sense. A contemporary naming system <laughs> yeah. that lines up in some way where I can go, yeah, that's them. And not who the heck is this German company? What are they yeah. doing here? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now, maybe I missed it uh, in this article, but I could not find anything that said... I know it, it says when they learned of the attack, and it says it was a recent cyber attack, but there's no information as of yet, or at least it's not shared here, of actually when this breach occurred. So, I this, don't think. This is not the breach you are looking for. Yeah. <laughs> Move along now. Yeah. So um, they have not released that, right? Okay. So we don't really know, but there's some some hypotheses we can do because they, they did go offline for four days. Okay. So that is likely when they detected the issue. And I think that started December 27th. Uh, okay. Do either of you know? Uh, I do know. I, I feel like it was December 27th. Um, I, I, could be, I could be wrong on that. Um, but they went offline for four days. Oh, I am wrong. Uh, suffered a four-day outage starting on January 29th. There okay. we go. So January 29th, uh, which is just, just a few days ago, um, they went offline for four days. So that's likely when they detected the breach. Right. right. Contained but we it, don't know. When did it happen? Right. They yeah. could have been in there for years for all we know. Right. Uh, and are we going to... We, we should do a pool, right? We should come up with a grid and like, <laughs> all right, I, I want some phishing link, VPN access, and, you know, on the, you know, uh, six months ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, phishing to VPN access is yeah. like, th that's the winning chip yeah, you need to bet. Yeah, that is the winning uh, chip. <laughs> that one, yeah. If you don't do multi-factor authentication for your VPN access, you really need to. Yeah. Like, that's something yeah. that you can't skip out on. But, Don, that sounds like a lot of work. 
It is. We had to replace a firewall because it didn't support. Really? Uh, it, it, it supported MFA, but not MFA against a system that we already used. Oh. And so that's why we we it had hit the dumpster uh, then. So we we had the uh, uh, Cisco ASA yeah. that was in place. Or no, it wasn't ASA. It was a PFSense box, PF wasn't it? It was PFSense. Yeah. And it wouldn't do MFA against our Azure AD and our authentication against our Azure AD. And so we had to switch it to a Palo Alto firewall that would. Yeah. And so you know, you you may have to replace hardware to get exactly what you want, but you need it. And cybersecurity insurance almost always requires this today. So good. If your company has a cyber insurance policy and you're not doing MFA on VPN connections, they will not pay out on the policy. <laughs> so you might be paying for insurance so that you can't do. What you're telling on. me is, is if I'm negligent in my cybersecurity, then my cybersecurity insurance is going to be like, well, you didn't do the the bare minimum. That we require, yeah. and if, therefore, no. <laughs> if you disable the airbags in your car and right. don't wear your seatbelt yeah, and get in a car accident, Chevy, right. <laughs> they're or not going to pay out from your yeah. sticking insurance company, yeah. right? And that's how cybersecurity is. Unless you're in yeah. a Absolutely. no fault state, right? And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. glorious Florida. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to do like a, a compilation of all the fun facts that come up that are, are like relevant, but maybe not directly. Like the thing about the insurance and everything, yeah. not the car mm -hmm. thing, but before that, and just <laughs> have like a thing. have a because that I mean I feel like that's yeah. If I disable my airbags and don't yeah. wear my seatbelt, okay, and I get in an accident, I can't yeah. really. I don't have a leg to stand on, probably literally. But anyway, we could, <laughs> <laughs> we could take take all the fun facts we learn and do a compilation. The more you know, with with Don Pizzette. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to see if that's something we can do in the future. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully this doesn't reappear or in a bad way, I guess. Hopefully if it does come up again, it's it's a positive development. Guaranteed that, we hear more about this. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I love that uh, positive demeanor over yeah. there on the other end of the desk. <laughs> well, I did mention earlier that I had fear stricken into my heart uh, before the show. And uh, you're about to find out why. This is an old favorite segment. We haven't had one of these in a while. Tinfoil hat. Fake. Paul McCartney's been dead since 1966. Dogs can't see color. 5G causes syphilis. Do you understand color. that? They even put an Alex Jones at the end. I, I don't think I recognized. Yeah. I don't think I realized that was him. This one comes to us from Tom's Hardware. Taping over your webcam might not be enough to stop hackers from spying on you. They can now use a device's ambient light, sense, ambient light sensor. And when I first read this, I was like, well, I don't, what do you mean? If I'm covering my webcam, even if they can see that there's movement, it's not like they can really see what it is. And I'm looking at like the pictures they've got, the visuals of like they hold a hand up and you can tell that it's a hand. It's just, I'm like, oh, that is kind of creepy. So it, it freaked me out a little. Yeah. Is this a genuine like concern? Is this something that I should be a little bit worried about? So a lot of times I see things like this where they say, you know, hackers can analyze the sound of your keyboard to know what you're typing. And it's it's a BS attack that's way too hard for anybody to carry <laughs> out. And It's you know, just highly improbable that it, it will be carried maybe, out. Yes. It would take Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible to be real to pull <laughs> that type of thing off. Or, um, you know, the, the hard drive light can exfiltrate data out of a data center. And, and yeah, it's possible, but it's just so unlikely you'd be better getting prepared for a meteor to hit you than for somebody to take advantage of that. But in this case, there's actually some real merit to this, and there's a few reasons why. So first off, a lot of laptops these days, uh, I'm on an iPad right now, so it doesn't have this, but have a, a shutter switch. Oh, Sophie, yours does, where yeah. if you don't want to use your webcam, if you're not using your webcam right now, you flip a little switch and it covers the lens, mm -hmm. and now it doesn't matter if a hacker gets in or not. I mean, it doesn't matter, but they, <laughs> if they pull up the camera, they just see black. That's yeah. it, right? But a lot of devices have an ambient light sensor that's not covered by that shutter. That ambient light sensor is still exposed because it controls the screen brightness on your system, right? If the room gets dark, 
the monitor's brightness goes down. If the room gets bright, the monitor's brightness gets brighter. That's an ambient light sensor. Almost every device has these, and they're considered a low-security device. In other words, you don't have to have administrative privileges to access them because what are you going to do? It's just the brightness of the right. area. Should the screen be bright or not? Yeah. That's what it does, basically, is, is dim the screen to an appropriate level. And it can be used for other things, too, like sensing when it's nighttime and removing certain colors from the screen and so on. But some creative security researchers said, well, wait a minute, it's looking at light. It's got a light sensor in it. And much like a camera, the light sensor can reproduce a picture. Now, it's really, really low fidelity, right? It's not like yeah, a, no detail. Not a 60 megapixel camera or anything yeah. like that. Um, so not a lot of detail, but they showed where you could hold a hand up in front of your monitor and do various gestures. And while monitoring the ambient light sensor, they're able to show to recreate what those gestures were. And I was thinking about what the attack vector is here. And I really thought about cell phones. Uh, on cell yeah. phones, if you've got a pin number to unlock your phone and they've got access to the ambient light sensor, they could through the motion of your fingers, figure out what the pin number was to unlock the device. Uh, now, this is where Apple can say, oh, we're safe. No touch yeah. screens on our laptops, right? But but iPad, iPhone, they certainly do. Right. So this one, I wouldn't discard this one as conspiracy nut stuff like like some of the other ones. Like, there's some, some real meat to this. It'll be interesting to see, like, obviously it's in its very, you know, initial stages on what they are able to do with this. I guarantee, given time and... I, and an effort, they're they're going to increase the, <clears throat> the fidelity. Yeah. I think is what you used of the picture, mm -hmm. and give it a. Uh, it, some interesting things can be done with these weird attacks. I, I think of uh, what was the what's the um. There, there's one that the government uses that they can the radiation of your monitor. I always forget. I always want to call it Sonet, but I know it's not Sonet. It's like it's like that though. Man, it's escaping me. I hate that. Mm. I hate that. I got Sonet stuck in the brain. <clears throat> but it allows you to recreate the screen, what was on the screen, from a distance mm. based off of the radiation emanating from the uh, device itself. I'm I'm furiously Googling. Yeah. Trying yeah. to yeah. put in keywords. Tempest. It's called Tempest. Oh, Tempest. Tempest yes. text. Yeah. Yep. Ah. Huzzah! Yeah. Uh, uh, there's a little more gasoline and there's, there. <laughs> and there's more than one type of tempest attack. Like they can they can yeah. intercept the the radiation coming off of a cable, right? And and recreate the data that's going over it. And there yeah. was an optical one too. That was a fiber based attack, which really surprised me. So yeah, yeah there, there's a yeah. there's a handful crazy of crazy stuff that they can do. I just kind of falls in line with that stuff. <laughs> when you have a limitless budget, yeah, and uh, <laughs> and, and someone who says just build stuff, get it, whatever yeah. it takes, get it, get the people yeah. you need, yeah. And here's all anything you need. Just let me know, and I'll get it for you. And yeah, then they can build things that do these kind of things. And that's why when you asked me, was I scared when I saw? It? I'm like, nah. <laughs> I've I've seen this kind of stuff before with horses. So the uh, <laughs> so the joke here is, if you've got a cover for your webcam, now you might need to get a second cover for your ambient light mm. sensor. Now, right. two problems with that, right? Uh, one, if you cover your ambient light sensor, the odds are the brightness on your screen is going to go down. So now you have to manually control your brightness. Two, most of the time, I don't know where the ambient light sensor is. Mm. Uh, on an iPad or an iPhone, you know where it is. It's right by yeah. the camera. Yeah, right? mine's right there. Yep. But on a, oh yeah, on your MacBook, you, can, you MacBook, see where it is. Yep. I'm looking over at Sophie's laptop, and I, 
I know it has an ambient light sensor. I don't know where it is. And so you'd have to like put your thumb over various places until you oh, figure out where it was. It. Yeah. Is that not, would that be publicly available information? Like if I tried to look it up, do you Probably. think I could? Yeah. yeah. If you pulled the text back. totally look that up. There's three holes in the top of your laptop up here. Uh, one or two of them are certainly microphones. Uh, but I'm maybe sure. one of those is the ambient light sensor. You could place your thumb over each one until you see the screen go dim and find it. Yeah. Uh, uh, I see. I wonder. And and then, you know, once you've figured that out, then you could cover it up. But it does still require the attacker to install software on your system, but it doesn't have to be as aggressive. It doesn't need administrative privileges because the ambient light sensor is not normally protected. So no, I don't know. I, I could probably sit and try to cover stuff up all day. So far, I'm not seeing anything. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, maybe I'll it, Google it, see if I can it It happens to me by accident. Any Anytime I turn my phone sideways, I'll end up putting my thumb just by accident oh. over the camera and the sensor. And then as I'm watching a video or whatever, it'll start to get dim. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm covering I the sensor. I hate when I take my, my laptop outside or something, or maybe even my phone. It's like, oh, it's bright. Dim the screen. I'm like, no. It's yeah. the opposite of what I need. Cannot see this thing yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> Now, a lot of people in the, in, it kind of confused me when I started looking at the comments, which is the danger of looking at the comments, but it's, there were a lot of people that were like, well, just, you know, don't buy a monitor with a webcam, unplug your webcam, cover your webcam. I'm, that's not the issue, right? right? Because even if you are using a separate webcam that's not built into your computer and you don't have one, it's still going to have an ambient light sensor and that's what they're using, right? They don't need a webcam to yeah. do this. And, and you might have more than one ambient right. light sensor. Right. If, if I stick an external webcam on my laptop, then I likely have two now at this point, one yeah. for the webcam and one for the laptop because it's got its own stuff. So in. I think that the, the real moral of the story here is where there's a will, there's a way, right? <laughs> if you make security around the webcam, okay, well, that's cut off for me. What else do I got, right? And people yeah. get creative. They get real ingenious when it comes to figuring out stuff. And that's why, again, going back to the moral of the story of there being a will, there needs to be a will that says everything I build has security. Everything I build has a security first philosophy, right? An ideology that no matter what it is, I could use this in some way. Let's get creative and start, start trying to figure that stuff out. How could this be used? Why would this be used that way? What 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 are its capabilities? That's what hackers do. You've got black hats, you've got white hats, you got people in the middle that sit with their gray. But ultimately, we're every one of those people for different purposes are trying to figure out, okay, this is what this does. What can I make it do? And how can I how can I leverage that to my own purposes? Yeah. If we're not doing that, and that goes back to our router. Uh, talk and everything else that we've talked about throughout the years of Technado, if we do not start taking a security first mindset, this is going to continue to be a problem and new and weird and creative ways of getting to your data. Do you know that that personal information data is more valuable than oil or gold? Hmm. Yes, it is the number one valued product in the world. Because it costs next to nothing to mine? <laughs> yeah, I guess, but man, they sure want it. Yeah, right. It is as number one. So I would, I would start making it more valuable by putting some hedges around it. If you had a pile of gold, you wouldn't just go stick it in your backyard and go. No, nobody wants that. Yeah, right. They absolutely want that. So you know, I I didn't pick the article, um, but Mozilla released a new service. You know, Mozilla is trying to find a way to make money. Yeah, because uh, they think the Google money is about to dry up. Mm. Um, and so they're releasing a new service where you basically give them your PII, and then they mm. scour the web and anywhere they find it, they do the takedown notices for you. Really? to try and clean you 
basically Let's sanitize your yeah. internet and, presence and reduce everywhere you have data stored. Uh, there's another service called Optory that does the same thing. It's been around a while. So Mozilla is trying to like compete with that. Gotcha. Um, they charge something ridiculous, like nine bucks a month. And I don't think the average person would do that. But, pay for that. Yeah. but it just shows though, like there, there is value to that data that's out there that you've given to Facebook and Twitter and other places. And now there's, there's a whole business model around getting that data back out again. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's hard to put the, put the genie back in the bottle. Is yeah. that the saying? Yep. yep. Uh, and that, that's where we're at. Yep. I guess it's, I didn't realize this, but uh, somebody said the, I guess the last two generations of ThinkPads, ambient light sensors are rare. So maybe I don't have one because oh, I'm trying maybe. to find like cool. specifically for this model and stuff. And I'm, I'm finding nothing. People are asking, oh, I like my ThinkPad. How do I add an ambient light sensor? Because I want the auto dimming. Hmm. So I might not have one, which yeah, would really just swage <laughs> my fears. <laughs> oh, that would be great. But I still uh, use an iPhone. So yeah. I'm, you know. Yep. And your phone definitely has one. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So. We're all doomed. Nothing, <laughs> <laughs> nothing like getting blackpilled at the tech data. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. But I'll have to look into that a little bit more later. But it, I know that uh, reading this, it definitely was a little, ooh, it was kind of freaky at first. But one of the things that I thought of was, like you said, it, it's just, if, if there were, there's a will, there's a way. It would be so lovely if there was a way to repurpose this information and, you know, how hard these people are working to supposedly use this into something good as opposed to, you know, spying on people. Like it just, oh, there's so much potential there. If I feel like a first grade teacher, like you have so much potential if you could yeah. just use it for good instead of evil. Yeah. But I you know. Just Ooh. just wait, Sophie. Another ten years, give the world a chance to 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 beat you down. You'll and be then as you'll... cynical and cheated as both Don and I. You, you guys have definitely given me a head start, so thank you for that. But yeah, definitely a lot of good news this week. And like you said, there were even some things that, like the Mozilla thing that were happening that, yeah. you know, it's impossible to cover everything. So if there's something that happened this week that you guys are curious about, want us to cover, leave a comment, let us know if you are watching on YouTube. If not, hop over to the channel and, and leave that comment. And if you haven't already, if you enjoyed this episode, maybe leave a like and, and let us know, hey, I've had a lot of fun sitting here chatting with you guys. Uh, and thank you again, of course, to our sponsor, ACI Learning. If you don't know, that's actually our day job. We make those videos during the day, those courses to help you learn. And it is super fun. You can see he's got, they've yeah. got the, we're sporting. He's the, got the branding. The logo He's wear. got the branding. Yeah. I, I'm not branded, so I don't, you know, I don't have the, the shirt with me, but uh, you know, right there. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to miss. It's right there. Yeah, that's right. There. Uh, so our sponsor, ACI Learning, are the folks behind IT Pro. If you are listening from the TechNATO website, you can look for that sponsored by button, click on that, and that'll take you to the IT Pro website where you can use that code TechNATO30 that I mentioned earlier to get a discount on a membership if you want to see more of us doing that stuff in our day jobs. I think that's pretty much going to do it for me. Uh, we'll, we'll be back, of course, next week with, with more TechNATO. Anything I'm forgetting? Anything I'm missing that we need to go over? Uh, pork chop sandwiches. With get, applesauce. Get the heck out. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Now, that's probably ball. another reference that I missed. So yeah. I'll Google that when we when we shut down here. But thanks so much for uh, for joining us for this episode of TechNado, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed today's show, consider subscribing so you'll never miss a new episode.